Joshua chapter number 14, as we leave the abstract and head towards the sermon for tonight, Joshua chapter number 14. I'm going to put one out of the Old Testament for you. A lot of great stories there and a lot of good children's stories there and a lot of children's ministry comes from the Old Testament, and that is where we're going to be tonight. Joshua chapter 14. As you arrive there at that passage, I want you to do something with me. Okay, since it is ch uh, the next generation service, the junior edition, let's go ahead and rewind back to the days of us in children's church. Let's assume we're seven or eight years old, okay, because those are the, that's the really fun age. We, they're athletic enough for game time, but they're, you know, calm enough to sit in the seat for Bible time. It's a really, really good age right there. So we'll assume eight years old. Eight years old. Now, as you come back to eight years old, for most of you, you can begin to you know, think about it. Your life consisted of wake up, the drudgery of school through wintertime and springtime, but then summertime came, and man, the world was yours. No responsibility, no bills, nothing but free time and fun times. You know what I'm saying? And so we're eight years old, and that's what we have. Maybe an occasional chore, which is just kind of a nuisance. We get it out of the way, and we go back to doing what we want. This is us at eight years old. Now, when you were eight years old, I feel like this is true for girls, and I'm about to find out. Hold on for eight years, and I'll get back to you. But I know for guys, we all have the dream job already picked out. You know what I'm saying? The dream job. Uh, most of us go with the boring, bland, mundane, firefighter, police officer, army guy, G.I. Joe. This is what we all want to be. It's just like this little list, and it's like the top four favorite things to do. You just pick these things. Maybe you want to be a pilot or something boring like that. Not at all what I wanted to do when I was a little kid. No, I had a much better idea. You see, when I sat and thought about the world in front of me and what I really wanted to be, I didn't want to be a policeman. Absolutely not. What, a, what an absolute waste of time just protecting other children. Not something I'm interested in. And a firefighter, well, if people just wouldn't throw fires, we wouldn't need them anyway. So, no offense, Jimmy. I'm not, I'm not trying to come at you, man, but that's just what I was thinking. No need to have a firefighter. You know, no need to join the Army. There's already hundreds of kids who do that anyway. So, what do I want to be? And I began to survey the great scheme of all the jobs and all the life that really laid in front of me. At eight years old, I made a great decision. And I really, I will back it. For some time there in between then and now, I had doubts that it was a good decision, but it was a good decision for a kid to make. You see, what I chose to be, what I wanted to be, my, my dream job, the dream that I wanted to fall into when I grew up and got big was this. I wanted to be the individual who rode on the back of the trash truck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All y'all out there wanting to be firefighters and policemen, great. I'm going to be cruising around, one arm on the back of the trash truck, one foot on the back of the trash truck, cruising, all right, everywhere. I, don't ha I get paid to ride in the back of a truck. And at eight years old, what more is there to ask for? Not to mention that with promotion, I get to drive the truck. All right, you know what I'm saying? And this is not a small truck. This is a big truck. This is a big deal. I didn't want to drive the little wimpy trash truck. I want to drive the one with the arms on the front that you can pick up those huge dumpsters and dump on the top. But not only dump the huge dumpsters. No, no. I also wanted to have the one where you just cruise down the subdivision. You guys know what I'm talking about already. And you stop. The dude on the back rolls the trash can up to the side of the truck. You push the button, and it dumps the personal trash can in the top, sets it back down, and you're on your way. You know what I'm saying? This is the dream job for an 8-year-old, and that's what I wanted. And that was my dream. After some reconsideration of the teen years and God calling me to preach and different things happening. We let the trash job go. But for any eight-year-old looking for their dream job, look into it. It's a solid choice. Solid choice. 
But no, for all of us, we had a dream when we were kids, something we wanted to do. Girls dream about being princesses and living in castles, and guys dream about trash trucks. And I mean, this is just the difference. And this is where we're at. We all have a dream. And tonight, I want to talk to you about a dream, but a spiritual dream. A lot of times, when we first get saved, we, we have dreams, spiritually speaking. Man, we get saved and we have goals. We have dreams. This is where I want to end up. This is what I want to accomplish. This is my dream. But a lot of times, with age and Christianity, with, with more time saved uh, than perhaps not, or just a few years under our belt, really, the dreams kind of get set aside and routine begins to take place. And time after time, we come to church and we go home. And in the back of our mind, there's this dream. I would like to do this for God. But the reality and the logistics and making it happen, and it just kind of stays in the back of our mind. And, and far too often, we get saved. We live, we die, and the dream dies too. And tonight I want to dive into Joshua. And I want to look at someone who had a dream, how he got the dream, and what we can learn through the process there. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and we will dive into the sermon. God, we ask that you would bless this sermon. Thank you for the singing, God, the praise, the worship. Thank you for the kids coming up, God, and being willing to serve you in that opportunity. And God, I pray that you would just reconfirm in the heart the awesome job that they did. And God, tonight, bring our attention to the scriptures, bring our attention to your word, and allow us to dive into the scriptures with an open heart and a humble mind. And God, that we might be changed tonight and live a life that is different because of it. Be with me as I preach. God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The story we're going to be looking at is by a name of a man called Caleb, and most of you probably like Joshua 14, Caleb. If you're familiar with your Bible, that's, that's where you went. Or if you have the little cheat lines in there that say Caleb, well, you got it that way. Either way, you got it. The man we're looking at is Caleb tonight. If you don't know who Caleb is, uh, rewind just a little bit. Children go into the wilderness. Children of Israel, that is, go into the wilderness. Not just random children. The children of Israel go into the wilderness. Um, as they're leaving Egypt, and they come up to the promised land, and they're like, well, let's check this out. Let's not go in blind. They send in 12 spies. The reason there was 12 is because one from every different tribe. So there's 12 spies. And 10 were bad, 2 were good. If you know the song, there you go. 10 bad spies, 2 good spies. And in they go. Nobody knew who was good and bad yet, by the way. And they go, they toil around the land of Canaan, and out they come. And when they come out, they all come before Moses, and they begin to talk about the land. Now, two people said, yeah, the land is good, but let's go get it. Those were the good spies. Their names were Joshua and Caleb. Okay, Joshua and Caleb were the good spies. The ten bad spies said, well, the land is good, but we will definitely die. So we'll take the lesser land and the good life versus the greater land and no life. And they don't go into the... Uh, into the land of Canaan because of that. Fast forward. All of the children of Israel that left Egypt are now dead. Okay, so that's how far we fast forward. Everyone who is alive for the exodus of Egypt is now dead, minus two, Joshua and Caleb, okay? Now then, Joshua is now in charge of the new children of Israel, and Caleb is the only remaining, the only other remaining original OG leaving Egypt Exodus, survival, Israelite, only one. And we're going to pick up in Joshua 14 a little bit of history. It's going to reach back, then it's going to bring us up to speed, and then we'll look at the whole thing. Joshua chapter number 6, and as we dive in, now they're in the promised land. They're in Canaan. They've conquered it, and they're divvying up the land. They're chopping it up like a pizza, handing out pieces to everybody. And Caleb comes rolling up in verse number 6. 
Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephuneth, the Kenizzite, and said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me, and thee, and Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my hope. Nevertheless, my brethren, that went up with me made the heart of the people to melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now because the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake his word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, eighty-five. And yet, as I am strong, and yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. And my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou holdest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that those cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, whatever, Hebron for an inheritance. That dude's last name has got me every time I read it while studying, so we're just going to leave it off from now on. Here we go. Caleb goes into the land. He begins to look around, and he sees a mountain, and it's called Mount Hebron is the name that Caleb sees, and he begins to desire it while he's in the land and begins to look at it. And he comes out, and he comes before Moses, and he says, Moses, it's going to be a fight, and it's going to be a rough one, but the Lord's already promised to give it to us. So math might not add up, but we got this. Let's go get it. As you know, it didn't work out. He didn't go. And for 45 years, Caleb wandered in the wilderness with everyone who didn't believe it would work, watching them die off one by one by one. Side note, he was probably excited when the last one finally went. He was like, in we go. But he watched them all die off. And tonight I want to take you on a little bit of a journey through Caleb's life and really a, a quick one with the time that we have left to, to try to just wrap up his life. But we're going to see a man who wanted to do what God wanted him to do. 45 years later, a man who had just accomplished what God wanted him to do. So let's start off by looking at the promise, the promise right here. The first promise we see is that the, the, the promise of Canaan was given to the children of Israel. And so not necessarily in the passage here, but in general biblical understanding, Canaan was promised to the children of Israel, right? We, we can all agree on that, right? Canaan was promised to the children of Israel, okay? This was the land that they would inherit, that God said he would give them. And Caleb goes in, and as he's in, we find out from Scripture that he sees this mountain. Okay, we find out in this account. At some point, Caleb sees Mount Hebron. Um, and some history scholars say that uh, Caleb actually left the group and went and, and seen this mountain kind of by himself, and then rejoined up with the group. And if you look later on, it's mentioned there that Moses says the feet, the land that your feet have tread on you can have. And so maybe credible, maybe not. But at some point, he sees this mountain, and he desires it. 
And God's already promised them the land of Canaan. And Caleb specifically is thinking, I want this mountain. When we get in there, I want this mountain. And I don't know what the mountain looked like. I don't even know what mountains over there looked like. I've never been over there. But I've been on these mountains here. And uh, the mountains I would not choose, if I was choosing a mountain, would be like the ones in the nature camp. For anybody who ever has been up there that's like this steep and you grind your nose down as you walk up them, uh, I would never choose a mountain that Terry Miller hunts on, ever. Those mountains are out automatically. They're steeper than the ones I just described. Uh, and they're full of rocks, useless rocks. I don't know how Terry Miller mountain goats around them, but he does, and I would never choose those. I would never choose a mountain that Ryan Miller hunts on. I wouldn't choose those. The kind of mountain I would choose would be beautiful. Uh, at this day and time, probably have like one big part of it would be all covered in walnut trees so I could cut them down later and chop them up into little boards and sell them to people. Uh, Maybe some oak trees, white oak trees. Uh, it would be nice and clearings everywhere, streams, paths, open, and not steep. Maybe like total elevation of 1,500 feet and maybe two miles around. That would kind of be the mountain I would choose. And maybe this is what the mountain he chose looked like. I don't know. Um, if he had good taste, that's what it would look like. But he chooses this mountain, and he wants it, and God's promised him the land. I just want to point out, though, in this passage, and if you study when the spies went in, the whole land was available to all of the children of Israel. But we only get one account of someone choosing a mountain. We only get one account of someone finding a specific spot and saying, this is what I want. Any of the children of Israel could have went. Okay, Any of them could have signed up to be spies. Any of them could have gone. Any of them could have chosen Mount Hebron. None of them did, but Caleb. Probably wasn't an attractive mountain with that in mind. But... He chose it, and he wanted that specific mountain. It was his dream. When Caleb came back, everybody's talking about the grapes and the land flowing with milk and honey, and Caleb is like, dude, there's this mountain. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's mine. When we get over there, whether y'all come or not, that's mine. He wanted this mountain. Land was promised to him, and Caleb wanted the mountain. And we see that when they came back, although they couldn't go, the mountain was promised to him. In Joshua 14, verse number 6, And the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of the Kenizzi said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever. So here we see Caleb reminding Joshua, Hey, Moses promised me this mountain. And it's mine. And it's mine. I want to make application to us here. No one had to tell Caleb, hey, go find a mountain and claim it. No one had to tell Caleb, hey, the Lord's going to give you this land, so it would be a good idea to pick some. He went in in full faith that, hey, this is what God wants. God wants us to move into the land of Canaan. And with that in mind, where do I want to live? Let me look here. Let me see. He wasn't worried about the giants or anything. He even says, he's like, you knew in that day that the Anakims were there in the tall and great fence cities and all that, and he still comes back wanting the mountain. He wasn't worried about it. He was confident. God wants to give us this land. This is what God wants. Where do I want to be? And this is what I want to say to you guys. We know what God wants for us, right? God wants to see the entire world 
come to him. He wants to see us involved in serving him and loving him and living a life that brings honor and glory to him. That's what the biblical picture for Christians is. If you're waiting on God to come up and give you a great revelation on what you're supposed to do, generally speaking, you're way behind the boat. He already did. All right? Um, and beyond that, there is spe- specific revelation. But the general revelation is God says, I want you involved in ministry and doing something for me. No one had to tell Caleb, hey, go pick a mountain. He chose to. And for us, we should say, okay, God, you want me involved in ministry. You want me involved in bringing other people to you. You want me involved in this somehow. Man, this Sunday school class, that's fine. That's what I want. I'm going to go in and I'm going to work, and that's going to be my mountain. That's, God, that's what I want. Give me that mountain. Hey, God, this, this senior class, God, this, this ministry and maintenance, God, this ministry, and you can go outside the church, missions, God, this ministry and evangelism, that's what I want. That's what I want. You say, well, I don't, I don't know if God could, could do that. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That's Ephesians 3.20. Psalms 81.10. I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Let me translate that verse for you. Ask for a lot, I'll do it. And a lot of times we walk around like, well, mm, wish I could be in ministry. Huh? Look, to sum up so we can get to the end, find a mountain somewhere speaking, obviously not a piece of dirt. Find a mountain in ministry, whether it be in this church, and you say, I'm going to take over the printing ministry downstairs where we build the Bibles. I'm going to take over working in Sunday school. Or you go outside and you say, I've always in my heart felt this burden for missions, but I've never thought that I can do it. The Bible says in Psalms 37, 4, delight thyself also in the Lord, and what? He will give thee the desires of thine heart. Caleb says, look, I went into the land of Canaan, and I've seen this mountain, and this is what I want. This is my dream. God, you've already promised me the land. So I want this poet mine. God can't use you if you're not asking him to. What mountain are you asking for? Are you content with your life just to float along and like every other Israelite, when we get there, we'll decide. If something comes my way, I'll grab it. Leave it up to Joshua. He knows what's best. Or maybe to translate into to the message, leave it up to the pastor. He knows what's best. He didn't ask me. Leave it up to the pastor. If he asks me, I'll think about it. And we're not saying, God, this is what I want. You want the gospel to go forth. And God, I want to be used in this area to do something for you. God, I want to be used to do this. You say, well, I don't really, mm, I don't think it's right that I ask God where I want to be. I'll wait for God to place me. Okay, if God's placing you and you're like, mm, pulling a Jonah over here, like, I'll go preach to these people when he's already called you. Well, that's ignorant. But if you're not doing anything, pick a mountain. Pick a ministry. Pick a mission. Pick a work. Pick a goal. Pick something. And say, God, this is what I want. And the Bible says, delight thyself also in the Lord. It doesn't say where specifically in the Lord to delight. It says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of thine heart. When we say, God, this is what I want to do for you, he says, okay, I got you. Here you go. Open doors. It's crazy how when you stand in the hallway, no doors open themselves. 
But when you walk up and start toning some knobs, things start opening. Guys, claim a mountain somewhere. <laughs> anything. Anything. Claim an anthill, you know? Anything. If you can't claim a mountain, take an anthill. Just put your name on something. On something. I promise you. I promise you this. You claim a mountain. You say, God, I'm scared. I don't think it's going to work. There's all these anakims in the way, but this is what I want to do for you. He's going to make it happen. It'd be the same thing. Let's say for Emma, when she grew up, I wanted her to be a random sport soccer player. Okay? So as she's a little kid, she's out in the grass and she's playing with footballs. I'm going to be like, oh, come on, dude. Like, with the footballs, just... Okay, and then she's like, Dad, I want a new baseball bat. I'll be like, mm, here's this wiffle ball bat I found in the basement. Go play with that, you know, like, have fun. But if she's like, Dad, I think I want to try playing soccer. I'll be like, whoa, personal coach coming right over. Here you goes a ball. Here you goes an outfit. What else do you need? Do you want a water bottle, you know, like a, sw- a headband? What, what, how can I set you up? Why? Because that's what I want her to do. God wants you to be involved in ministry. And if you come to him saying, God, might be a lot to ask but I really want you to use me to start this ministry. God, I really want you to use me to start this mission. God, I really want you to use me in personal evangelism. God, I got a big request. I want you to use me to lead people to the Lord every day for a whole year right here in this town. That's what I want, God. He's not going to be like, mm, mm, well, mm, nah. He's going to be like, okay. The scary thing about this with God is, and I'll tell you this with all honesty, don't ask unless you want to do it. Because you say, God, I want to lead somebody to the Lord every day for a year straight right here to prove to me that people are still receptive to the gospel. Every day you're going to have the opportunity to share the gospel. Every day. You're going to miss them, and you're going to walk away from them, or you'll take them. But every day, God's going to put it, Right there in front of you. Claim a mountain somewhere. Caleb goes in and he says, my dream, Mount Hebron. I want it. And in the end, he got it. Guys, what's your dream? What are you dreaming for for God right now? What mountain is it that you have claimed? You say, well, none. Um, Work on that. Find your dream first. You say, well, I have this little anthill over here. I might want to throw some more shovels to go on and claim that. Do it. You say, I have literally the biggest mountain ever. It's totally impossible. I want to do such and such. I want to go into foreign missions and win this whole tribe. I want to translate the Bible into three different languages that it's never been translated into. Whatever it is, you say, this is what I want. It's huge. Try God. Go ahead and start investing in it and watch him give you that mountain. First off, he had a promise. The land's yours. Go get it. Second off, we see the prerequisite, the prerequisite. Listed three times in this passage is the reason that Caleb got them out, right? Three times, and this is what it is. Joshua 14, verse number 8. I'm only going to read one of them, but, or two of them, but there is one other one, and I, I could find it for you. Um, Nevertheless, my brethren, that went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein my feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And the last one is after he gets the land. They say that Caleb received the land because he wholly followed the Lord 
his God. The deal with getting mountains is they're not free. If I was to roll up in here next Sunday and be like, y'all, y'all see that mountain right back there? It's mine. You'd all be like, nice mountain. Be like, yeah, got the whole thing. It's all mine. Everything with it, it's all mine. Of course, I would never take that mountain because it's the ones in nature camp back there and they're steep. But if I was to take a mountain, it wouldn't be that one. But I'm like, for instance, that mountain's mine. Y'all be like, mm, nice. It wouldn't take me telling too many people. Somebody would be like, how much you pay for your mountain? Me. Free. Y'all be like, free. Be like, mm-hmm. Free, whole thing, mine, free, didn't put anything down. Y'all be like, hmm, where's the catch? I'd be like, hmm, no, no catch, free mountain, all mine, no payments, no interest, nothing, free. Y'all be like, either you're lying or tell me where you got it, one of the two, because I'll take the steep mountain even, just, I mean, the land as well as something, give me, give me the free mountain here. You don't get mountains for free. A lot of times we come to God and we say, God, I want this. And then we don't want to pay for it. Caleb wanted Mount Hebron. And he goes back and 10 other spies say these two guys are wrong. They don't know what they're talking about. And then if you read this story, the Bible says several times that Caleb stilled the people. Okay, what that means is, for instance, if I'm Caleb, y'all aren't happy at all. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. We can do this. And it immediately gets shut down by y'all again. And yet Caleb said, no, I'm going to stay consistent. None of you believe that this is possible. I'm going to stay consistent. And he wholly followed the Lord, his God. A lot of times we want the whole mountain with a half following. The whole mountain with a half following. God, I'm going to follow you up until it doesn't look good for me anymore. I'm going to follow you up until it's not convenient no more. I'm going to follow you up until... Well, the prerequisite to getting mountains is this. You want a mountain. You want to take something and say, God, this is what I want you to use me to do. Here's the prerequisite. Very itty-bitty, teeny-tiny, one-line prerequisite. You have to follow God with all your hope. That verse, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of thine. Hope is delight thyself also in the Lord first. Then, not <laughs> give me the mountain, and we'll see what I do with it. Caleb wholly followed God. It's no surprise to us when an athlete is at the gym before everybody and in practice he's giving more than everybody and he's staying after everybody. And when the game's over and everyone lost and they're all going home and nobody cares, he's the one sitting there watching every play he made all night long, every film, critiquing himself. And it doesn't matter if he's the all-star or not. He wants to be the best athlete. He is wholly committed. You want to know what that guy does? It's no surprise to us when he gets a scholarship to D1. It's no surprise to us when the employee who shows up early and works late takes any overtime hours that there is and, and is given his everything at work. He's not on his phone, but he's 100% there and devoted. It's no surprise to us when he gets promoted. And on the flip side of that, the athlete that skips half the games doesn't get a scholarship. No one's like, hmm, whoa, shocker. Thought you were going to Alabama. Like, surprise. Uh, when the guy barely shows up for work and sits on his phone all day, no one's like, you didn't get the promotion? Really? No one expects that. But a lot of times when it follow, comes to following God, we're like, okay, 
Um, here's like the really radical Christians up here, and then here's like where we're at in the realistic Christian realm, and then down here is like the pfft, not good Christians. Like we don't really even claim them. They kind of come to church, but pfft, not good. Here's the deal. You don't get mountains in this section. There were a lot of Israelites, I would say, that were probably like, hmm, 50-50, you know what I'm saying? Ten spies say it's bad, two spies say it's good, but mm, I might try it. And then the other half is was like, nope, we ain't going. They're like, nope, I'm not going either. That's it. But I mean, I'm in, the, I'm in the realm of what everybody's doing. I'm in the realm of the comfortable here. And that's where we live our lives. And we're like, God, why can't I, why can't I get this mountain? Why am I stuck with just this tiny little ministry? Why am I stuck with just this tiny little bit and being used? God, I, I don't understand. Why is it that I've led one person to the Lord in the past five years? I don't understand why that is. Are you just not using me? Is it something with me? Like, what's the deal? Here's the deal. If you're not wholly following God, then you're not getting the whole mountain. The prerequisite was this. Caleb, wholly followed God. He didn't waver. He didn't mess up. He didn't say in 45 years, oh, I've been waiting 30 years for this mountain, and I'm now 70 years old and probably going to die with everyone else. So, fooey on it. Now he consistently, wholly followed God. Guys, the importance of giving it all to God cannot be overstated. Cannot be overstated. Three quickly is the practice. The practice. Joshua 14, verse number 11. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so even is my strength now, or even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. How many people do you know that without working out, without putting in work, can go from age 40 as a soldier to age 85 and say, yeah, I'm still good. I'm just as good today as I was then. Give me the mountain. Let's go to war. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and to come in. You want to know what that, you want to know what he's saying? I'm going to go fight and I'm going to come back alive, okay? I'm still just as strong. Don't think that I'm 85 and old. No, I'm 85 and ready to go take the mountain that the Lord had for me all along. Took some practice. That didn't just happen. Caleb didn't start eating potato chips, watching people die, waiting on his time to go into the promised land. He didn't just go home and sit down and say, well, fooey on it. I was a good soldier too. I was really ready to go con conquer Canaan. I was fired up. He didn't stick his sword in his sheath and hang it on the wall and start telling grandpa stories about the way things used to be. No, every day Caleb was still up and he was out there with the 20 year old soldiers being like, son, you're doing it wrong. Come here, let me show you something real quick. Every day, out there with the sword, practicing. Every day, running. Every day, staying physical. Why? Because he had faith. God's already promised me this. So someday it's going to come true. And when it does, I want to know how to use this sword. Because I don't want the reason that my dream didn't come true to be me. Now I would rather die and walk up to God and say, um, you promised me that mountain. So what happened? Because I was still ready. 
And a lot of us, we say, God, wow, I want to I I do better with personal evangelism. I want to see people saved, God. I want to be the one doing it. And we never practice sharing the gospel with anyone. And it is rusty at best. God, I want to be a teacher. I, I want to teach in Sunday school. I want to be able to give, give the scripture to people. And we never practice teaching anywhere. God, I want to be a leader. And, and whether it be in the church or whether it just be in business, I want to lead like you do. But we never study Christ's leadership example ever anywhere. God, I want to be a good, good testimony. I want to be a good example. And little bit by little bit, we just let that testimony crumble down to half of what it used to be. And we say, well, when the time comes, I'll bust that sword back out, and I'm going to go take that mountain. It doesn't happen if you don't stay in practice. When I was playing sports a lot, I was more fit as far as running then than I am now. When I played football at college, I could run all night long. Never stop. Played both sides of the line. So I would play receiver and flip and play defender and flip and play receiver. Didn't bother me. Now, if I got to run to the mailbox and back, I'm like, <gasps> and y'all are like, dude, you weigh 140 pounds. That's impossible. My lungs still don't work, okay? You know what I'm saying? I'm out of breath, and the mailbox is like 15 yards away. Because I'm out of practice. So if y'all were like, Hey, you used to play football? Let's go have a football game. First off, I'll be pathetic because I'm missing my finger and I can't catch anymore. But outside of that, I wouldn't be able to run. We'd be two plays in. I'd be like, I'm playing safety. Somebody else do that. I'm out of practice. If you want to be able to accomplish a dream, you want to be able to say, God, this is the mountain I want. Use me to do this for you. You got to stay in practice. In the small things and the big things. Caleb says, look, 45 years ago, I was ready as a soldier to go take Mount Heber. 45 years later, I am ready as a soldier, God. I didn't miss a beat. Let's go. And skip to the end. He does do it, by the way. The practice. Number four, the problem, quickly, and, and it's obvious. Uh, the Anakims are there. Um, Joshua 14, 12. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, Mount Hebron. And uh, he says, For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. Now, to us, we're like, oh, that's cute. Like in a cartoon where they have a fenced city. For them, this is a big deal. The fence basically makes you a sitting duck for the ocho standing on top of the fence. So you've got to find a way to go from the bottom to the top without getting shot. Not as easy as it sounds. And he says, hey, you remember how the Anakims were there? And they had the great cities and fences all the way around. That's still the case today, but I'm ready to go. There was a problem. Let me tell you this. Anytime you say, God, this is the mountain I want. This is the ministry I want. This is where I want you to use me. Um, will you please start to use me here? There are going to be some problems. There are going to be some problems. Quick, funny story. Luke Fisher, when he's now teaching our junior boys Sunday school class and doing a phenomenal job with that, or substitute teaching it, should I say. And the first time he went to teach it, Brother Homan wasn't here. Okay? Not a big deal, but kind of a big deal. For a first-time teacher, he was like, well, okay, I got this. And, man, he jumped right in and uh, went to start teaching. It was also the Sunday that we ran out of propane. Whoops. Um, so we plugged in an electric heater for him so all the junior boys wouldn't freeze. 
And the problem with that was the breaker kept breaking, um, which is not what they're supposed to do. It kept flipping. So Luke Fisher, dude, if you're watching, I'm not calling you out, just an example. Um, he's in there teaching, and the breaker flips, and the lights go out. So he has to stop lesson, go flip the breaker, return to lesson, teach, heat or kick someone, lights go out repeatedly. Let me tell you, if you've never taught a Sunday school class, you don't understand. That is a living nightmare. You are like, I don't even know what this means anymore, let alone do these kids know what this means anymore. There is no way possible to get through that material and walk away and be like, hmm, yeah, I did pretty good for a first time. Impossible. And he kept on teaching. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter if it's a big thing or a small thing. Something is going to go wrong. But he didn't give up. He didn't say, well, I wanted the mountain when I was 40, and you know, but now I'm kind of 85, and the Anakims are still there 45 years later, so somebody else can have it. I've, I'm, I'm past the age where I want to fight for that. I'm past the age where I can enjoy the mountain if I even did have it. I can't climb it anymore, so it doesn't matter anyway. Um, I'm just going to let somebody else have it. I'm going to come live down in the plane. Somebody else can take that. No? He said, yeah, there's still a problem. But God's already promised me this, and I still want it, so I'm still going to go get it. There was a problem, but then finally, Caleb recognized the power. Verse number 12, that last little line right there, and it says, If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. He says, God, I want this mountain, and you promised it to me. All right, I've wholly followed you this whole time. I did not waver. I knew the day would come you'd give it to me. Because of that, I stayed practiced, God. I know what the problem is. I've already seen the cities 45 years ago, but they're going to look the same. They're going to be down on the ground, boning in ashes. But God, I still need your power. I need you to be with me. And as you know, the Bible tells us that Caleb takes the mountain and he runs the Anakims out, the giants out, takes the cities. He was successful. God gave him his mountain. Tonight I want to ask you, do you even have a dream? Are you even looking for God to use you to do something? Eight years old, I said, man, I want to ride on the back of a trash truck. 21 years old, I could give you a list of dreams. And I would say when I'm 40, there'll probably be a whole new list. And I'll be like, wow, that was my dream then. <laughs> okay, that's like riding on a trash truck. But spiritually speaking, do you even have a dream? Is there a place, a mountain, when you say in the grand scheme of all of ministry, when it's all said and done, God, this is what I want. Not for my credit, not for my glory, but God, this is what I want to do for you. This is my mountain right here. Do you even have one? No, you like all the other Israelites saying, well, if someone assigns me a piece of land, I'll live there. If someone gives me a job in the church, I'll do it. If the pastor asks me, I guess. Are you saying, pastor, this sounds crazy. Take a seat. This is what I want to do. Are you saying, God, missions are a long ways away, bud. But that's what you want for me. Is there even a dream? 
How sad would it be if children grew up with no dreams of dream jobs ever? None. No jobs. No, no dreams. They never dreamed. Just day to day they went, bouncing around. How sad would it be if we as Christians just day to day we go, bouncing around. We come to church on Sunday, catch a Wednesday, and just waiting on the end. No dreams. Find a dream somewhere. Like I said, claim an anthill at least. You know, something. Claim something. Personal evangelism, church ministry, missions, counseling, discipleship, something. Find a dream. If you don't have one, pray about it. Because God's desire is to use every child of his in the ministry. And I promise you, if you go to him and say, God, give me a dream for something I can do for you. I feel so lost. I feel so empty. I don't have a dream. What's wrong with me? Am I a bad Christian? I don't know what to do. God, give me a dream. Give me a passion to do something for you. He will. He's not going to miss that opportunity. He'll be like, whoa, what's up with them? Yeah, quick, somebody, send them a, send them a dream. Find a dream. And right now, if you say, I have a dream, or I don't have a dream, either way, meet the prerequisite. Follow God wholly, completely. I give my everything to you, God. I'm following you wholly. Stay in practice. You say, I don't, I don't know what my dream is. How do I practice? Like, that's saying stay in practice for all sports, you know? Like, how? I don't know which one. Stay in practice as a Christian. Keep your testimony clean. Keep your example good. Keep your devotion solid. Keep your prayer life efficient. Keep your witnessing frequent. Stay in practice. You say, I've never even shared the gospel the first time. Well, then there's a good place to start practicing. You say, how do you practice? Okay, rewind. In case there's a serious question for someone, do it in the mirror. Just give the gospel to yourself a hundred times over again. Just practice giving the gospel to yourself. And you say, you want me to stand in my bathroom giving the gospel to myself? That's your whole conclusion to this message is if it helps you practice to do something for God, yeah. Absolutely. There's going to be problems to make sure you practice good. And I promise you this. It might be 45 years from now. But at the end of your life, you won't be standing up here like me saying, I've never rode on the back of a trash truck. But you say, I had a dream. I didn't think a few times in there God was going to do it. It took me 45 years. But today, I'm standing on the top of Mount Heber. And this is mine forever. God has a mountain for you guys. Go out there and take it. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for your word tonight. And I know most of the message tonight, God, was illustrative, but yet it's true and it's applicable. God, there are so many mountains that could be won in this building and so many people in this building that could win mountains elsewhere. Help us be like Caleb, God. If there's someone here who doesn't have a dream, give them one. If there's someone here who hasn't met the prerequisite, Convict them, God. If there's someone here who's out of practice, give them wisdom and how to practice. God, help us ever be mindful of the problem, Satan. And help us look for the day, God, when you say, this is your inheritance. Here's your mountain. May we live lives that honor and glorify you, God. We love you. Help us to love you more. And in Jesus' name, amen.
Ja, det är smest. Ja.